0: Pauline, give me some of your thoughts. I even said, blood of a hen. Bit of blood. I ate his liver with some father beans. Nice viandy. Humble, pan fry, deep fry, stir fry. Yummy. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of The Cooking Show. I'm your host, Bob, and this week we are making this is a dish that kind of bubbles up every once in a while online on like food instagram and food reddit <laughs> it is it's very it's very photogenic and there's something about it that really it it harkens back to a simpler more comfortable cozy time and, and of course that's misinterpreted because if you if you went back a couple hundred years and lived uh, in a on a homestead in rural Georgia, and I mean Georgia, not the state of like Atlanta, but I mean, Eastern European, Georgia, I'm sure life was nowhere near as comfortable as it is today, but there is a coziness about this dish. And, uh, just seeing it is evocative of the old world and it is Kachapuri, which is your Georgian egg and cheese bread. And if you haven't seen it, take a look at the Imager album in the show notes and uh, you'll see it and be like, oh yeah, that thing, that thing that pops up every once in a while. Very cool. Very cool. Very cool. Now, I don't know what it is about just the image of it, but man, it just, it is so compelling. And I think part of it is the construction of it is it's very plain just by its appearance. You know, like sometimes like when you hear it, it here, this is what I'm thinking about when you see a machine and you can infer the the workings of the machine by how the parts go together like you can look at the even if it's something clockwork and you're like wait a minute i see this thing moves this thing and does this thing and then da, 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 and you can kind of follow it through visually and it's like very satisfying it's like oh man that's it's ingenious, but it doesn't take a genius to figure out how it works. Whereas some machines are like a black box and you can't see the inner workings or, or infer the purpose of the thing um, just by observing it do work. So looking at Kachipuri, it's like, all right, what do I see here? Bread, cheese, egg. And guess what? That's, that's what it is. It's bread. It's cheese. It's egg. So there is a satisfaction of inferring the, the, the whole of the thing just from outward, outer appearances. Now, additionally, you know, I don't know something about bread when it is a non standard shape, (laughs) it just seems, I don't know, like it has a little something extra going on with it. And what I think it is, is that it's, um, there are shapes that are deliberate by people like the person makes it this shape for a reason and then you can try to decipher what that reason is or whatever but the point is is like hey this is this shape and if it's not this shape then it's not this thing there are other shapes that are really compelling but not for the same reason for example a couple weeks ago i did an episode on the dutch baby or the you know the um the yorkshire pudding type of thing and it wasn't exactly the same recipe but uh, but that has a unique shape that is compelling. But when you see that shape, you think, ah, this is a natural shape. This is something that comes about. There'll be variation. There'll be a lot of natural variation from one to the other. Each one will be compelling in its own way. But this is like just a natural explosion of of physics and biology and whatever that creates this um, this form. Whereas something like kachapuri, yeah, it's like, oh, they, they it, this is just the way it's put together. Now, why is it in this shape? Whatever. You can, you, your mind can run wild with it, but you were drawn to it because of the shape. That's it, super duper simple. In fact, it's actually such a simple recipe that I purposely complicated it by uh, making homemade farmer's cheese. So that'll be in the recipes also. Uh, Basically, you make a dough. That's a very simple bread dough. You make the the filling, which is a mixture of three cheeses, a farmer's cheese, a mozzarella and a feta. Uh, You give it a little egg wash. You bake that for a while and then you add an egg to cook runny. And that's basically it. So what we'll do is we'll go through the recipe for the dough. We'll talk about a couple variations on that. How to make farmer's cheese. Very simple. Two ingredients. It takes a little bit of, it can be certainly be done inside of a day, but it does take a little bit of time, but it's almost all passive. And then putting this all together, baking methodologies and uh, that, yeah, that's basically it. There will not be any special ingredients. This is, like I said, super super simple, no special equipment, you know, if you have an oven, you're good to go. So for the dough, the dough, the dough, the dough, very, very basic dough, the texture of this bread, you know, once it's baked, it's gonna be very similar to that of a pizza crust. In fact, in fact, I just recently watched this YouTube video and I can't remember what the channel is. I believe the guy's name is Max Miller, but I can't remember if it's like tasting history or cooking history, or something like that, and he tries to recreate a Roman pizza, a t- technically a Pompeian pizza, because there was a mural. I believe it was at Pompeii or Herculaneum, one of the two, and it was a mural depicting uh, a dish of food, a, a, a dish, a meal, essentially, and it looked like a flatbread with stuff on it. And it looked mm, suspiciously like pizza. Of course, you know. 79 a.d you're not going to have uh you're not gonna have tomatoes you're not gonna have peppers you know anything like that so when he recreated it he made like a, a pesto of garlic and cheese and pine nuts or i'm not sure all went all went into this but smeared that on it and then it was like things like figs and pomegranate and maybe egg i don't remember but seeing the finished product there and this this ancient style of a pizza in some way to say that you know the pr- real precursor to the pizza is like the focaccia bread or something like that but I was thinking man kachapori is very pizza like you know it, it certainly has more in common with the pizza than it than it doesn't right so uh for the dough let's talk about our dough recipe and for exact measurements for all this stuff check out the show notes um you know, the imager album for the photos and uh in the actual recipes here because uh, for the dough, we're going to be using, it's it's salt, it's yeast, a little bit of sugar, just enough to like wake up the yeast and get a good like starter going there. All-purpose flour, water, milk, a little bit of olive oil. Um, we're going to bloom the yeast in some like room temperature water with a little bit of sugar mixed into that, a little bit of the flour mixed into that. Not not enough to make a paste, but like a slurry. Let that yeast wake up, get nice and foamy. And then knead it together with the bread hook on the KitchenAid stand mixer or you can knead it by hand or whatever. And I'm going for my standard 12-minute kneading time until um, it's not—I don't think it's hydrated enough to be a truly shiny dough during the kneading process, but um, it'll get a somewhat smooth uh, surface to it. Once you have that done, tuck the edges around into a nice, tight ball. You can put it in just in the bowl of your of your mixer, cover it with saran wrap, and then I leave that out on the counter and, until it rises sufficiently. I think I left out for like four hours. It rose pretty significantly. Now, alternatively, what you could definitely do is um, make follow a pizza dough recipe or something like that and do a cold rise in the refrigerator overnight. I was kind of trying to do all this within a single calendar day. So that's why I, I let the dough rise at room temperature, as opposed to putting it in the fridge last night through till, you know, this afternoon, okay? Now for the filling, so you have your dough rising or whatever, or it has risen, you punch it down and roll it out and roll it into, you know, a nice tight ball again. You can divide this into four pieces and we're gonna use those four pieces to make our individual kachapuris. Now, for the filling, we're using equal parts. Uh, farmer's cheese, mozzarella, and feta. So I I got a big, you know, big ball of mozzarella. I used half of that. Um, a brick of feta, used the whole thing there. And then I made some farmer's cheese. Now, what is farmer's cheese? Mm, you could use ricotta cheese in place of farmer's cheese. And farmer's cheese is basically ricotta except with a a lower moisture content. So to make farmer's cheese very quickly, you could use a whole gallon of milk. That would make more cheese than what you need for this recipe. I used a half gallon and I still have some left over. So, you know, you could use a quart of milk. My recipe here is for two quarts of milk, um, two quarts of milk and one quarter of a cup of distilled white vinegar. So what I do is pour that milk into a nice big stock pot and then we're going to bring that up to just under a simmer. We're going to make it nice and nice and hot, but not boiling, but we're going to do it over a very long period of time, like 30 to 40 minutes. Like start it off medium low for a good 20 to 25 minutes until it just gets up to where it's warm, where it's it's warmer than room temperature, but it certainly isn't hot yet. You know, like if this were your cup of coffee, you would be disappointed and you put it in the microwave, Right. So it's warm to the touch. At that point, we can bump it up to medium, five, 10 minutes. And then from there, we can go up to medium high for like five minutes and then back it down to medium. And once you're up to like 185 degrees, somewhere around there, then we'll be okay. The reason we're bringing it up to temperature very slowly is that we don't want the milk to scorch and stick to the bottom. Otherwise, you'll get this film of like milk solids that that scorched against the bottom of the pan or the pot or whatever. But if you bring it up to temperature slowly and every once in a while with a whisk, stir it up a little bit. Don't don't stir it, don't agitate it too aggressively because then you'll just get a big pot of frothed milk and then you'll just have to make like 300 cappuccinos. And we don't want to do that. We want to make four cachipurris. <laughs> All right, so uh, you bring that up to temperature, 180, 185 degrees, somewhere around there. And then slowly drizzle in your white vinegar and then with your whisk very gently stir it in. If you have it at a good if you if you brought it up to temperature slowly over time, the addition of the vinegar is going to curdle that milk. It is going to cause that milk to split into curds and whey very very quickly. Like it like two passes of your whisk or your wooden spoon or your ladle or whatever you're mixing with, two passes around the pot on this. And you're gonna be like, wow, that has completely separated one into the other. And I have a picture of that in the in the album there. But the the way, like the the thin liquid that it, uh, separates away from the milk solids, is gonna have kind of a yellowish green, almost chartreusey kind of color to it. And that's uh, exactly what we're looking for. But at this point, you are nowhere near done with that cheese, cover that pot and let it sit for a couple of hours to come back down to room temperature. Okay. Cause at room temperature, we're going to process that. And by that, I mean, pouring it into a cheesecloth or a flour sack towel and squeezing the vast majority of the moisture out of it. So that's what you do. After that, curds and whey has cooled down to you know somewhere close to room temperature. I mean, yeah, if, you're, if the room is 74 degrees and that stuff cools down to 80 degrees, that will be okay. Don't worry about it. Um, take your cheesecloth or your flour sack cloth. Flour sack cloth is just a cotton cloth that is a little bit more densely woven together than cheesecloth is. I personally prefer it because it's a lot easier to clean afterwards like you put it in the washing machine or whatever but you don't get a lot of debris stuck between fibers in the cloth But it's not a big deal one get one or the other whatever uh line a colander with that put it in the sink and then i look you could you could pour that your pot of curds and whey into that but look, there's a lot of way, and there's not a whole lot of curds. I mean, there's a decent amount of curds, but it's like, there's a lot of liquid content in there. If you use a ladle instead and grab the majority of the curds that way and kind of like uh, strain off the liquid in the pot and then just dump the curds into the colander lined with cheesecloth, you will save yourself a little bit of a headache. Get that in there and then uh, fold up the edges, kind of Tighten it off, twist it into a ball so that you can really squeeze some of that liquid out of there. And then just work that for a couple of minutes until um, you don't really get much of a solid stream of whey being squeezed out of that when you, you know, twist it and squeeze it or whatever. And then unwrap it. You'll have, uh, it'll look like a ball of cream cheese. It'll kind of uh, have the texture of, hmm, kind of like mozzarella, but without the uh, stick togetherness of it of mozzarella. you know what I mean kind of crumbly texture but still uh, like fibrous and and adhered to one another. So put that into a bowl, throw it in the fridge until we are ready to use it. but when it is time to use it, your farmer's cheese equal amounts one and a half cups farmer's cheese one and a half cups of your mozzarella. Run that through a you know a coarse cheese grater to shred that mozzarella. Do the same for the feta. Now, I know feta normally is just you crumble it up or whatever, but if you get a nice dense brick of feta, you can run that over the uh, the coarse cheese grater and shred the feta. You have all your three cheeses in, in the bowl. Just with your hands, you can kind of mix those together and mush them and uh, smear them across each other so that they become homogenized, <laughs> so to speak. And then uh, that's what we're gonna use as our filling. Now, how do we make the distinctive shape of the kachapori? Well, you cut your dough ball. So it has risen and you punch it down and roll it into a tight ball. Cut that into four equal parts, you know, north, south, east, and west. Use a quadrant of that, roll it into its own little ball And then press it out onto a cutting board, not floured, if you can get away with it. If you can do this so that that doesn't stick, you don't use flour because you want it to be kind of um, have a nice tacky surface to it. But roll that out into a disc, maybe around six to eight inches in diameter. It doesn't have to be perfectly round, but roundish would be very good. And then grab it on one side. And you elongate it. You make it into the shape of like an eye. And perhaps that's one of the reasons why the shape of the Kachipur is so compelling is because it is like the eye of Horus or the all-seeing eye or just an eye in general. (laughs) Who knows? You know, this eyeball-shaped bread boat filled with cheese, which would be the white of the eye. And then, ah, the pupil or the iris or whatever as the egg. I think we're onto something there. Anyway, kind of elongated a little bit. One side of it, fold it one direction, you know, like up. And then the other side, fold it the other direction, like down. And that should make sort of a canoe-like shape. Then take some of your cheese, and we're going to press this cheese into the center so that the edge of the cacciapuri of the bread boat sort of rises up into a lip around the outside mash in you know a reasonable amount of the cheese you don't want it to be super duper thick but you also don't want it to be super duper thin and uh do that four times make four of these i put these on parchment paper lined baking sheets just because it's easy that way i mean you could put it onto a floured pizza peel and slide them off onto a baking stone you could just do them straight up on the baking sheet i do like the parchment paper it's 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 a nice touch so you've pressed your cheese mixture into your catchapori scramble an egg and use that to egg wash the outside of the, you know the outer lip of the catchapori and then put those baking sheets into the oven like i said 450 degrees 15 minutes that should be sufficient to get the the bread portion of this golden brown and and puffed up a little bit the cheese will have melted and it'll get a little bit bubbly and brown on the top which is perfect and uh, at this point you're 15 minutes into baking open it up with the back of a spoon a big spoon a tablespoon or something like that you're going to press like a well into the middle of the cheese maybe like uh shovel the cheese back a little bit to make a nice impression and then into the well you are going to deposit one whole egg and then close that oven back up for an additional 6 or 7 minutes maybe 8 it depends on how quickly you got the egg into the depressions how much heat you lost from the oven but basically that is going to allow the egg to cook um mostly like we're, we want a runny egg in there a somewhat translucent albumin and certainly a runny yolk. So six to seven minutes, it should be uh, well on its way to setting and cooking and that. And you can take it out of the oven at that point and let the residual heat from the cacciapuri continue to cook the egg to completion and at that point we just sort of uh, garnished it with some fresh herbs and edible flowers the herbs what did we use we used um, some curly parsley chopped up nice and fine with a little bit of oregano and garlic chive and then um, some pink dusty pink uh, oregano flowers which are edible and really kind of fun and charming and then a couple of borage flowers. And I don't know if I've talked about borage before or not, but it's an edible flower. It tastes like cucumber. The whole plant is used in some home medicinals, you know, like making, you can dry out the flowers and the leaves to make a borage tea. You can uh, soak the borage flowers in vodka, like a high high proof vodka to make a tincture. And I believe those settle the nerves and calm anxiety and uh, co- contribute to a restful night's sleep they might even do a little something for indigestion i don't know but it's cool i like the fact that the flowers taste like cucumbers and they are blue and uh, very flower shaped you know some flowers are more flower shaped than others sometimes you have more like like a border collie is a dog shaped dog right and borage flowers are a flower-shaped flower, <laughs> but that's it. That is, uh, you know, it's simple. I mean, make making the dough homemade uh, is pretty much a given. You have to make the homemade dough. Making your own homemade farmer's cheese, hmm, I mean, it is a little extra, but it's literally two ingredients. It is milk and white distilled vinegar. It's super duper simple, and it is somewhat better than just using ricotta. But um, you can use ricotta, no big deal. But it's super-differ easy, very compelling shape, beautiful, beautiful. I mean, bread, cheese, egg, herbs, you you can't go wrong with that. Very satisfying, very cozy, very old-world charm. So that's Cachapuri. Give that one a shot this week. You will love it. Thank you. Talk to you later.